With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. It's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Really appreciate your discussion on the Oilers and the Eskimos. Always feel free to chime in at 630-630 on the text line. Quick update of the NHL scoreboard here before we bring in our special guest. Jets lead the Stars 3-1 after one. Also after one, Minnesota up 3-0 on the Canadians. In the second period, Philly leading St. Louis one zip. The Blue Jackets are up 5-3 on the Panthers. Rangers and Lightning tied 1-1. Senators up 2-0 on Detroit. Those are all second period scores. In the third, Vegas and Boston tied 1-1. And uh, also in the third, Capitals up 3-1 on the Islanders. Thursday night football, Jets up 7-0 on the Bills late in the first quarter. Oil Kings just getting going against Seattle at Rogers Place. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am pleased to welcome to the studio two-time Canadian heavyweight champion, proud Edmontonian, Ken Lacusta. Ken, how's it going? Very good. Thank you very much, Reed. I really appreciate being here. Well, it's great to talk to you. Just quickly, uh, why you're here. I mean, you're one of those guys on, on the list of, if I could ever have him on the show, I'd love to. And sometimes you just never get around to trying to track a guy down. And then you called in after the Oilers lost 2-1 to Philly to talk hockey with Rob Brown. And I said, will you come on Inside Sports? And you said yes. So here you are. So thank you for coming in. Hey, no problem. Anytime. Uh, let people know what you're up to now first. Let's start there. Well, first of all, I, I look for uh, with different companies and investments for companies and, uh, you know, different ideas people have and stuff like that. So I've enjoyed that for about the last 10 years. And uh, that's been going pretty good and just keep chipping away. You know, there, there's many ways to make money and you just got to keep chipping away. Uh, you're in your 60s now? Yeah, I'm 62. Wow. Uh, I can remember obviously following your career mainly in the 1980s. And that was, I mean, okay, when you look back now, Ken, and when you see maybe what's happened in boxing since then, was that the most recent golden age for heavyweight boxing? Am I oversimplifying it, or how no, do you look I, at I that? I think that's a pretty good assessment. I think the last time Canada had anybody uh, go to the Olympics was David DeFiabon in 92. That was the last medal, I think, that Canada's wow. ever won in the Olympics. Here we had Willie DeWitt and Sean O'Sullivan and... Uh, the young young guy from Vancouver there the same year in in uh, eighty four, uh, you know a lot of the times uh, I think it's just well, to make to to just be truthful I think that Quebec gets a lot of the attention when it comes to body. they have all most of the coaches and everybody else just has the hope they can knock someone out to get on the team and, right. and that's what it's going to take. 
Are you doing any coaching? I just coach uh, one guy right now, a heavyweight here from the city. I got involved with him a couple of fights ago, and I wanted him since the start. He's 9-1, and one, and I think he has a real good chance to uh, to, to be a, a Canadian and a Commonwealth champion. I, I, he's a very good fighter. Do you, what do you like about coaching? Well, I, mostly uh, I like it if I get a, if I get a good a good young guy that wants to listen and uh, wants to uh, become a, a, a real good in his profession, and, and, and if we can kind of aid him and take him along through the sparring in Vegas and all the stuff it's going to take to make him a champion uh, and I get the right personality and the, and the right guy he's got a, he's got some good heart and he's, he likes uh, to, to improve and stuff like that I, I really like to get involved in boxing it's, it's a good sport keeps a lot of people off the streets and it's pretty good. I, I love talking about uh, boxing and, and to boxers. And, I mean, Jelena Marjanovic is a champion, obviously, who's been on the show several times. Had a couple of brothers uh, in in uh, in studio a few weeks ago. I remember one of the best interviews I ever did was uh, talk to an 11-year-old female boxer from northern Alberta who was getting involved in the sport. And, I mean, you have a, you have a team of people around you, but... I don't know if there's any other sport where it changes so much from what you can do in in practice or in sparring to when you step into the competition and all of a sudden it's like oh that it's just me and this other person here we go. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a real individual sport. You know, guys that I've talked to th- through the years, that's why they got involved. I remember when I uh, uh, when I talked with uh, with Mike Tyson with Willie Dewitt, both of them come up with the same thing. We want to uh, wanted an individual sport. We liked other stuff, but this is the one that really kind of stuck to us because you know with both of those guys talking to them, that's the uh, same thing they said. They just wanted an individual sport where they would do it, and all the blame could go on them if they lost, and all the glory if they win. Ken Lacusta joining us in studio, and I want to talk to you about some of your connections to some of the heavyweights. You mentioned DeWitt and Tyson because you know and sparred or fought a lot of them. But, I mean, how did it start for you? A young Ken Lacusta, I don't know what neighborhood in Edmonton you grew up in, but what's the origin story for your boxing career? Well, it started off with uh, kickboxing. I started kickboxing first, and I was about uh, 14, and I started kickboxing with my older brother, Bill. And we just, you know, he started showing me some stuff, and I started picking up on it. And I went all the way uh, in kickbo- professional kickboxing. I went on to professional kickboxing, and I went to number one in the world. And I beat, uh, I lost once a seven-round decision. I beat once a seven-round, the world cruiserweight champ. Okay. So we had two fights. And so how, how, no, how old were you when you first, how old were you when you first very, like, started competing? Like, were you a well, teenager, uh, pre-teen? I think I was uh, 17. Oh, so you were, okay, so you didn't start then. You weren't, like, a child no, prodigy. Or that, no, that was the kickboxing. <laughs> okay. It was just a lot more, uh, uh, you know, you do you do a lot of kicking and stuff, which which uh, uh, helps you fight against guys who just box. But when you when you get into the boxing, they've got this down pretty well, pretty pat, where you have to uh, you have to know your ABCs for sh- pr- pretty good when it comes to boxing because they know how to go to the body, they know how to train, they know how to do everything. So you really got to get into the the full time boxing if you're going to do it. So why did you transition from kickboxing to traditional boxing? Well, there's a lot more money in boxing boxing at that time. Like now. The the, M, uh, the UFC and everything. There's a lot of money in it, and it's a, it's a great sport, and I, I enjoy watching UFC too. But uh, the boxing at the time, there's lots of money in it. You could make good money, and of course, you'd have to fight international to make good money. You you nowadays there's not many Canadians. Last ones that were kind of making good money at it. You know, at that time, were guys like Sean O'Sullivan and Willie Dewitt, uh, right. Trevor Burbick, uh, myself had a few paydays. But that's after that happened. The, the we didn't they weren't guys who were fighting international no more they're more, more or less they just fighting around Canada but with that being said we have a lot of real good strong 
Edmonton boxers right now. We got the, those young brothers that you mentioned, or the Santoro brothers. Santoro, right? Yeah. We got them. Uh, uh, we got uh, the the big guy that I that I train, uh, uh, Stanley Cermak. He's another one. He's nine and one. And I tell you, I started training him a couple fights ago, and I I think he's essential to be the Canadian and the Commonwealth champion. All he's got to do is just keep progressing and keep learning. All right. So I just want to go back. So were you? Because here's the thing: if you started playing hockey or football at the age of 17, or baseball, what like you you the, your odds of making pro would be like yeah. infinitesimal. So were you like were you always an athletic kid, or were you pretty yeah, playing was, other you know, sports? When I, was, when I was a young guy, and I, I can kind of say this right over the over the radio because my defensive partner was Randy Gregg. Oh, nice. And I think Randy Gregg got a, uh, didn't get the goals I got. I got a lot more goals than he got when we played Pee Wee Double A. But the thing back then was I was a lot smaller back then. And uh, back when we played Pee Wee Double A, we didn't have the face guards. We used to have to fight just like they do in the National Hockey League. And me having that, being a little bit feisty, I always used to fight all the big guys. And I was short until a grade 11. Okay. So I'd win half the time and get my butt kicked half the time. So I, when I when I ended up going to the awards, we, we got awards in the Pee Wee Double A. We come second in the city. And I looked over at my mom and I said, no, I'm quitting the hockey. It's just too rough. I'm getting out. Of Wait a minute! Sport. You quit. You quit hockey because <laughs> no, yeah, it's too rough, 12, yeah. and you started kick. Later, started kickboxing. Yeah, later on, when I grew, <laughs> I grew and started. Oh, so kickboxing. once you yeah. grew, then you're yeah, like, once okay. I, grew, I had more confidence. But I'll tell you, I'll never forget. I told my mom, I says, "Hey, this sport's just too rough." Because we used to fight just like they fight now in the National Hockey League. Like we had no masks. It we're and, right, yeah. Yeah, and we were just, you know, the fighting was allowed back then. That was in the, in the '60s. I think it was 1960. 65, 66 in that area, 66. Yeah, there was no and face we, shields no or face cages. Shields. Yeah, it's totally different. Just yeah. like they do, and we used to intimidate, just like they do in the National Hockey League. <laughs> and our parents used to, some parents liked it, and some parents disliked it. But in, it, it was it was rough for me because I, like I said, I wasn't as big as the guys in the PWA, and I was a little bit a year. But younger. you wanted to stand but up. But I would for yourself, stand up yeah. for my teammates. I yeah. would do most of the fighting for the whole team. And I, like I said, I won <laughs> half and lost. So half. eventually, you decided maybe I'll, I'll, you got bigger. You just fight for yourself, like you yeah. we were talking about the individual sport but you must have always been because like like i was referencing earlier i mean you can boxing you can be in shape you can hit a bag you can be quick you can jump rope when somebody punches you everything changes right yeah you know that this is the tough part that's a very good that's a very good question because what happens is when you get hit you have to learn how to handle it see uh, when you're playing hockey when the boys move up in junior and then they get guys like Cassian and guys like Lou Cheech hitting them, it's a big difference from guys that are 18 and 19 and 20-year-olds. These guys are a lot stronger. They're men. And the same thing is in fighting. When you start to get hit with that right on the money, then you it kind of changes the way you're, mm-hmm. you you look at it. So you have to get used to you have to get used to. You got to right? stick it with a game yeah, plan, right? You gotta, like you, you can't spar lots. You got to yeah. stick with your game plan, and and you know. I remember the best trainers in the world. I was so lucky in my career. I sparred all over the world, and I seen the best trainers like Angelo Dundee was a friend of mine, and Slim Robinson, and uh, Kevin Rooney, and all these guys. And they all had this common denominator: if you don't got a job, a jab, you got to get a job because a jab is where you win money. Uh, Larry Holmes, Muhammad Ali. Sugar Ray Leonard, they all have great jabs, and it, right. you have to have a good jab. And if you don't have a good jab, well, even Mike Tyson, five foot ten, 
five foot eleven, maybe. You know, yep. he had a good jab. He was short, but he would wiggle around and boom, boom, boom. He's like a like a fence post. He'd be driving it up to you. And you you got to have a good jab. But I think Edmonton's in good shape with boxing. We got Jelena Marjanovic, two time or, or eight time world champion, WBC, WBA. I meant to say, great. I used to like to do her fights on TV for Sportsnet, yep. and I used to say to the people, the, the viewing audience, they say, "Hey, this girl, when she gets hit, she gets tough and she gets going. It's like they would fire her up. They she start bleeding and she start firing back. She's a she's pretty, but she's tough. And I, I really admire doing her shows. And now we got all these, like I said, those Santoro brothers coming up. We got my big heavyweight. We got some good junior middleweights around the city. And you know, Edmonton's probably the second biggest city the second biggest boxing city in Canada next to Montreal we oh, have the most awesome, shows yeah. here and everybody kind of looks to Edmonton to you know to come and fight here in the city because it's, it's a big fight town Ken let me ask you this I mean we're, we're talking about the the game plan and and the, all the prep when you look back on your career is there a section of your career or or a fight or maybe a series of fights where you look back and say like that was my peak that's where the physical and the mental game was combining to to be the best i i think when i was uh 32 33 years old that's probably when you're at your peak whether mm-hmm. it's hockey i think even hockey you know you can be a if you're a uh, a, a real high high-end uh, hockey player or or boxer i think 32 is probably the age where you know, you feel your best. I was really strong when I was 32. You know, it really felt good. You know, when you're growing to 32, you still, you look at some of these big heavyweights. Like, I fought some of these big guys, and it, it's pretty tough. I remember a, a time when I fought Larry Holmes. We were fighting on USA Network, and here I am, a guy from Edmonton coming. You know, I come up fighting all these guys, but he was probably one of my favorite fighters of all time, Larry Holmes, right? So, go into this fight now and fight them, and we... We, we they had a big red cloth in for about 100 meters in between mine and his dressing room and the USA Network just now put the lights on and they wanted Larry to warm up a little bit prior to the fight because we were going on in about 20 minutes. So all of a sudden I see this bl- big black shadow and all I hear is pop, pop, and he's, hitting the, he's jabbing at that hand pass, pop, pop, and a big black... Uh, shadow and I'm thinking oh my god I quick turned away and I started putting my mind to work kind of get it on my side because it's very intimidating Mm -hmm. then they come over and did me too but I always stayed in my mind how that intimidated me and and in the fight he proved to be just that same guy that I seen shadow boxing and he had a tremendous jab and he ended up cutting me for like uh, 16 stitches and they stopped it in the 8th round but he was a he was my favorite fighter and I got to fight him and uh, you know it was one of the nicest uh moments ever for me because you know everybody knows of Larry Holmes you know it's incredible Absolutely. You know. we're, we're going to keep talking to Ken Lacusta great Edmonton athlete two-time Canadian heavyweight champion and we'll talk about your relationship with Willie DeWitt with Mike Tyson some of your highs and lows thanks for coming in Ken we're coming back after the break This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We'll have an Oilers game tomorrow night. We'll have an Eskimos game Saturday night, uh, an Oilers game in the afternoon on Sunday. So a lot of fun. And we're having a lot of fun right now talking to Ken Lacusta, legendary Edmonton boxer, two-time Canadian heavyweight champion. And Ken, the, the first time I really remembered hearing a lot about you when I was a young kid growing up in good old Evansburg. Uh, so I think it was 86. You were the Canadian champ, right? 
uh, you got this uh, upstart kid. <laughs> well, he wasn't a kid, but he was a little younger. Uh, Willie DeWitt. You mentioned uh, he was in the 84 Olympics, and he's from Grand Prairie. So you got two Alberta boys fighting for the Canadian Heavyweight Championship at Northlands Coliseum. That, uh, I mean, what do you just remember about all that build-up and the, the night itself? Because I remember that as a, something I was really interested in as I think I was 12 or 13 at the time. Yeah, that, that was one of my favorite fights, uh, you know, <clears throat> my top five fights, and it was one of my top uh, probably three or four hardest fights with Willie Dewey. Um I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I enjoyed, uh, uh, you know, John Short helped a lot in that show. John was, you know, John's a big boxing fan yeah. back from Toronto days with Chevallo, and he knew all those people, and he, he pushed the fight with us, and we all pushed it, and we all, everybody was saying that, you know, how DeWitt was going to do this, and how I would do this, and there was, you know, a lot of the people were on his side, but I'll tell you, for two Alberta boys, it reminded me a lot about uh, a big fight in Minnesota once between Scott Ledoux and, uh, um, I forget his name right now, but he went the Olympics, so Scott Ledoux, a, a tough guy, was up against the Olympian, and they ended up going to 12 rounds too in, in, in uh, Minneapolis. So, I mean, it, it was great for the city, and, and we enjoyed fighting in it, but I just wish that... Uh, you know, I would have come out on the winning end. I was 12-round decision. It was, a, it was a tough fight, that's for sure. Now, did you... I'm always curious when a boxer goes to a decision, and in that case, like, the, the stakes were high. You're fighting in your home city against a guy in his home province, so there was people cheering for both of you there. When you're lining up for that decision or a decision, do you kind of already have a sense, oh, I'm not sure, or I, or I should win this one, or...? Well, oh. I kind of... I thought, I thought it was very, very close, you know, which mm-hmm. it was, but I mean, I mean, everybody... Um, all the judges picked their own ways, and I thought, uh, you know, he was a, very popular. You know, you, like I said, I'll, I'll tell this story after after we finished talking about this fight. What Mike Tyson said about him it was, it was, it was an incredible thing. But I thought that uh, he would probably get the decision. He he did enough to win it. I mean, it, you you got to look at it sometimes if you do enough or you don't do enough. And uh, I th- I thought maybe he didn't. I thought I hit him with the harder shots. I thought right. I landed the better blows, but he might have landed more than I did. So, you know, and you never see me complain about this, the decision. That's up to the judges and what they think, and and that's fine with me. I I've uh, it's years since 1986. Right. And I've lived a long time. So it was a big moment yeah, though. Yeah, I love fun. I love talking yeah, about that. It was a lot of fun. But I remember we were in we were in Tokyo, Japan, two years later after I fought DeWitt in '86, and uh, <clears throat> we were. Uh, I was sparring with Mike Tyson. It was, there was uh, Witherspoon was there, and Oliver McCall, the guy yeah. who knocked out Lennox Lewis, and we're all sitting around with Kevin Rooney and Mike Tyson. We're all having dinner, and we're so we're eating there, and all of a sudden we're talking about all kinds of topics, and all of a sudden Mike Tyson looks over at me and he says, "Kenny," he says, well, "Whatever happened to that Willie Dewitt guy?" And I says, "Oh, he's he was boxing, but he had uh, his 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 dad was involved in a in a in a plane crash, so he's retired." But uh, he did, he did uh, he did he did good. I says you know, and he says, uh, oh man, I thought when we were, when I was an amateur and Dewitt was an amateur. Tyson says he says I thought me and him were going to have a huge fight when we both turned pro. So I thought what a compliment for an Alberta guy to get a compliment like that from Mike Tyson at that time. Mike wouldn't go out at night, and Mike, Mike was knocking everybody out, and he was like a sensation. I mean, you, you, he couldn't even walk in Tokyo, so Jeez. a compliment like that is a, is a pretty nice compliment. Can we talk about more about your relationship with Tyson and some sure. of the sparring and other yeah. f- big fights you've had? Ken Lacusta in studio, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. 
right, thanks a lot for tuning in. We're having a lot of fun. Ken LaCousta is in studio, Inside Sports on 630. Ched, uh, got some uh, texts coming in for obviously people, uh, Ken, who know all about you and are enjoying the interview. Uh, for people of a younger vintage, uh, Ken, a, a former heavyweight boxer, lived in Edmonton all your life, two-time Canadian heavyweight champion, and you were in an era that had a lot of greats, and one of the greatest, uh, Mike Tyson, who you got to know. So how does that relationship... No, you never you never fought Tyson, right? No. But how no. does the relationship start where you got to spar with him? Well, I, I used to go around the world because like, around... Edmonton and around Western Canada there wasn't a lot of boxing because you got to you know keep sharpening up your tools so I would go to different places uh, in spar I was in Italy sparring in Italy sparring in Africa uh, I sparred in, in Puerto Rico I was sparring all over the world I used to go and in all the all the cities in the US and uh, one trip got me going over to Tokyo and and like when, in 1988 when they pay a 2500 US a week and a 10,000 US bonus for only sparring three rounds a day but I know it's against Mike but I mean, you you take it because that that you know usually usually it's a thousand or twelve fifty a week. But when it's twenty five hundred a week and all expenses, and as a matter of fact, the hotel we stayed in in Tokyo, when I was walking through it by a right walking right by me went the Prime Minister of Canada Brian Mulroney because he was staying in the same hotel. <laughs> so we were staying in <laughs> we were staying in the nicest. You're one well the, taken. Yeah, care. one of the night because because Tyson was like, uh, you know, if you see Connor McDavid in Edmonton. Ma- magnified by about 10 times over there because the Japanese people are, are they're very uh, I don't know how I can put this Japanese people really like to see someone who's a, a, the best ultimately the best in the world at right. something and they really flock to him they, they, he was a real big obstacle so what was it like uh, sparring Tyson I mean how in, intense would those sessions be I mean did you sort of have a green light to, to well, go at him if you needed to or what I always say to the guys I was lucky enough I seen Mike about a year and a half ago in Vegas with him and his manager and we talked for about a half hour and and I and he said to his manager looked at me he said Kenny I'm gonna put the, the tapes of you and Mike sparring in Tokyo uh, so people can see them. So if anybody out there wants to go and watch me sparring with Mike Tyson, you can see about 30 rounds. You go to Mike Tyson on Facebook and just punch in my name, Ken Lacusta Sparring, and you'll see about, oh, probably about 35 rounds of me and him sparring. It's, it's hard. It's rough. You know, you, you're only contracted for three rounds. But uh, he was just the type of guy that he doesn't go easy. When I was there, there was a, a British heavyweight that was 17-0, and 0, and uh, he got his nose and jaw broken in, in one round. And, uh, of course, they picked him up off the canvas and took him away to the hospital. Mike paid everything, sent him back to England, give him his bonus, give him everything. So, I mean, that's the kind of guy Mike was. If you, The guys that would work with him, he loved it, and you get paid. And they, they, uh, they, I was invited to come back and spar with Michael Spinks, the, his next fight, right. and I turned it down because it was just too rough. But I, I hung in there for five weeks in, in Tokyo, and I was, I was happy that I was able to do that. So what, what do you think made Tyson so great when he was at his peak? And, I mean, we were talking off air how he beats Spinks in 91 seconds. I mean, he wasn't winning a lot of decisions. He was knocking guys down sometimes early. What made him so special? Well, he was so special because when he was doing all this, people were saying Mike will never, Mike will never get beaten by these people that are boxing. And 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 critics, you say, what do you mean he's never going to get beat? Well, they say the only way Mike's going to get beat is if he beats himself. And ultimately, that's what happened. He got he got himself beat. It's just like I like to make the comparison because when I when we would hang around a bit in Tokyo with Mike, the sparring partners. Oliver McCall and, and Witherspoon and guys were active. We'd hang around a bit, go for dinner once in a while with him. He would never stay out past 9 o'clock at night. 
he would say, sorry guys, I'm up to the room, I gotta get to bed. And he, this guy would, would not stay out at night, he wouldn't go see no concerts, Madonna, uh, George Michael, all these people would phone, Mike, come to the concert, no, no, I ain't coming nowhere. He would just train. And when he just trained, we all seen what happened to everybody. But then, after uh, uh, Jim Jacobs, who was his manager, a big uh, realtor from New York, when he passed away, all of a sudden, uh, uh, and I'm not knocking Don King, but Don King took over and Don King uh, let him do whatever he wanted to do. So it's just like right now, if, if Peter Shirelli would let uh, Connor McDavid do whatever he wants and Connor McDavid would stay out till 2 or 3 in the morning, have a game the next day and be with, uh, uh, have girls and do all the... Right, you discipline. Know, I mean, Dis- just young boys, like, focus, like any yeah. other young boy would do if he could do whatever he wanted, then I don't think Connor McDavid would get 103 points. It's hard to get that unless you're really focused in it. And at that time, Mike was focused in in 88 and I remember the guy he was fighting because uh, he was a bit of an acquaintance and, and he was his, his name was Tony Tubbs he was the world yep. amateur champ and Tony Tubbs was about 6 foot 4 and he weighed about 245 and Tony Tubbs could move like Al- Muhammad Ali and we went to that fight the, the time when Mike fought him in Tokyo in 88 and uh, Tony Tubbs lasted two rounds he got hit so hard in the, in the second round that he opened up a gash for about 25 stitches over his, his uh, right eye and all of a sudden just pummeled him to pieces in the second round and he had never been off his feet ever before in 30 pro wow. fights so I mean that's the kind of guy Mike was but I think that uh, Mike kind of beat himself but you know this is what great champions are Marciano went the whole way look at Muhammad Ali was put in jail because he didn't want to go to the army then come back and still was a tremendous champion right. I mean some of these guys really got it and, 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 and it shows Ken Lacusta joining us on Inside Sports so you sparred with Tyson uh, you fought Holmes uh, you fought Foreman uh, what were some of the other big names that people would know? Uh, uh, Tommy Morrison. Tom Morrison, Tommy Morrison, right. And Michael Dokes. Right. Uh, Michael Dokes was the WBA heavyweight champion. Um, you know, a lot of these guys, and then about three three Olympians, I thought I was probably, I think I'm the only uh, Canadian that fought an uh, Olympic bronze medalist, silver medalist, two silver medalists, <laughs> and one gold medalist. Oh, so about a gold, two silvers, and a bronze. But, you know, I, it's hard to win because when you're fighting these guys, you're getting paid. You get paid. And if you fight guys from and I'm not knocking it because some of the guys from BC and Quebec and everything else are just as tough, but you don't get the money. You'll get the 1000 bucks, 1500 bucks. When you fight these other guys, you're looking at 25000 and right. and upwards, and, you, and and just for mediocre fights, you, you, you can get paid well if you fight, go over to Europe and fight European champions. We've got some people here, like Jelena Marjanovic that went on and, and, and knocked off the best. Uh, we got people like uh, these young brothers that might do good yep. later on. We got my big heavyweight. But Edmonton's always been a hotbed for boxing. And I always say to the guys, people always ask me, oh, how is this guy? Now, even all these young boxers. And I tell them, hey, if you want to get to the top, get that jab going and make sure you're doing your road work and make sure you're in better shape. Floyd Mayweather, once I was training, I had the lightweight champion. We were training in Las Vegas. Yep. And his name was Mario Lahofsky. He was from Edmonton. I trained him since 15 years old. And we were the Canadian champion. And I took him to top-ranked gym. And we walked into top-ranked gym. And I, I knew Miguel Diaz, the trainer there, and, and, and Roger Mayweather, the uncle of Floyd. Okay. And I, you know me, I like to, I'm a, I like to cause a little heat when I walk in. <laughs> so I said, anybody in the gym that weighs under 135 pounds, I bought the Canadian champ. So all of a sudden, we're working with with Stevie Forbes, who went 12 rounds with uh, De La Hoya, and we're working with all. And all of a sudden, Floyd Mayweather wanted to spar with him, and we would spar with Floyd. And Floyd told us uh, one one time we asked him, we said, Floyd. How come you're you're you're, you're undefeated? You're, 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 he, he looked at us and he said, "Listen, when I train, I train for a fight." And he looked me right in the eye and he says, "After the 
two or three months that I train, and me and the fighter go to the middle of the ring, and I look him right in the eye, and he looks me right in the eye, and I, you know what I say to myself? I'm in way better shape than he is. He's never in the shape I'm in. Now just let the skill take over. And you know, yeah. you know Mayweather's very skilled, but he really trains hard. And that's the key. We've got to get it across to our Edmonton guys that if you don't, it's, it's what you put in, you're going to get out. Yeah, if you, you don't put prepare. it in, you're not going to get it out. Uh, what's the, some quick ones here. What's the hardest you ever hit? Do you remember? I was or maybe the hardest puncher you ever were up against? The hardest, the hardest puncher, no doubt, uh, was uh, uh, Tommy Tommy Morrison. He was the hardest puncher with one punch. He was, right. a, of course, Mike Tyson could put four or five almost that powerful to, in, a, in a row together. Yeah. But but Tommy Morrison, uh, like he took out Razor Ruddock in three rounds with one punch, one left yeah. out. Uh, and I mean, he was just a vicious puncher. Best technical boxer you faced? Larry Holmes. Really? Larry Holmes yeah. was probably the best fighter that I faced. He was a magnificent jab, really good defensively, really relaxed. You know, he was a real polished, uh, polished fighter. Uh, what would you describe as your greatest or most memorable victory? Well, I think any time you win the Canadian Championship, that was the most fun. I mean, I, I had fought... Uh, uh, Many fights before, and you're, you're fighting 10 rounders. I've been like five, 10 rounds about six, seven times. I've been 12 rounds about five times. But whenever you win a championship, you know, the Canadian championship, you know, greats like George Chevallo had that championship. Right. Back when we got it, it was, it, was, it was a very, very big deal. That's why the young boy that I trained from Edmonton or Stanley, I keep saying to him, hey, let's get that Canadian title. With the Canadian title, you've had great fighters like George Chevallo. That he was a Canadian champion, and he was uh, honored and feared all over the world. So we want to uh, do ourselves proud and our country, our, our country proud in boxing. And and and, you, and when you say you're the Canadian champion, that really is a big thing down south or anywhere right. else you say it. Ken Lacusta, all right. Can uh, you're you're 62. You're in a sport where you get punched, you get hit in the head. That obviously has has led to permanent damage to to a lot of people in your sport and that's one of the reasons why you know people will d- debate about should we keep boxing i don't want to get too much into that with you but how are you doing do you have any long-term damage whether it's brain other things in your body like how are you physically and mentally well it's a, that's a very good question i you know i i was getting headaches about five years ago and um, I says to my wife, I says, let's, take, let's go to the U of A and just check this thing out. I, you know, I, I've never been sick. I never get sick. So I go there. Go there. All of a sudden, we're sitting in the waiting room. All of a sudden, this specialist comes. And he comes over. He introduces himself. Comes right into the waiting room. He says, listen. He says, I've never checked out a, a, a heavyweight boxer before. He says, I've heard of you, Ken Lacusa, and come on in. I'm going to give you the royal treatment. I'm going to check you out. So they put me in that thing, and they did ch- looked at my brain from all different angles and everything. He come back, and he put my the, the, sh- the pictures of my brain up on top on the screen, and uh, he said, listen, you don't even have, you've never had a concussion. You don't even have a mark anywhere in your skull. He said your eyes, on the nerves inside your eyes, they don't have high, high. You don't have no high blood pressure in your nerves in your eye. He said you're a hundred percent. It's unbelievable. How many fights you have? I said, well, I had fi- over fifty, and then I had kickboxing too, and I had other right, ones. He geez. said, and he he couldn't believe it. So I think what hap- has to happen is I think prior to fighting amateur fights and fighting professional fights, commissions and people have to make sure that these people have their medicals. Right. Even for amateurs, because amateurs are getting hit in the head too. So if they don't get checked out prior to a fight, they can be damaged as well. So, I mean, I think if we cover all the safety things 
and 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 hockey's another one. Football. Look at all these guys. I know a lot of the football players. They're they're in trouble after they play football mm-hmm. because your brain's in a cavity, and these guys head helmets together, and, and that shakes. So I mean, there can be injuries every and injuries in all the sports. But I do say boxing is a dangerous sport. It's tough and it's dangerous. But football is very dangerous, and so is you know so is so is hockey. It's a like years ago I used to do a lot of dinners with Rod Phillips and yep. different guys from the city here. Once I did one with Pat Price, and me and Pat Price were around the same age, and we were doing this dinner, and I kind of looked over at Pat Price and. He's limping a bit, his back sore, his neck's bad. He was the number one draft pick in 1971 or 70, the Montreal Canadiens. And I thought to myself, my sport's a lot easier on the body than his sport. You know, I, you know, because right. they get the sore knees and the backs and the necks and they get concussions. And But hey, uh, they're, that, they're doing something they really like. And, and the boxing people are doing the same thing. It's something they really like. And I mean, how, how can we? How can you take that away from a man if he wants to play hockey and say, oh, better not. You, you, soon you'll be afraid to even walk across the street. You know, you got to be able to. You have to be able to live your life. If you can't live your life, then, uh, you know, where are we going to go from there? Ken, you're uh, you're living yours to the fullest. Thanks for coming in at Inside Sports. I hope we can do this again because I think we got a lot more a lot more ground to cover. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you so much. Enjoy your show, and we just got the Oilers are going to get off the canvas, and they're going to they'll be they'll be fine. Don't worry. I just a lot of the times uh, the people get excited because last year was so good. Right. And this year hasn't been good yet. But, hey, the game last night, tremendous game. The Oilers could have very easily won that game against Pittsburgh. When they played in those other games just prior to that, they went in three on a tough road trip with three tough games, yep. Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Chicago. They were 500 in that road trip. They start turning around right there. So I, I think the Oilers are going to be fine. And uh, I think that they just need to be a little bit more physical and uh, by being more physical. And I think that, you know, everybody, you're probably going to disagree, but I think that they should split up Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid because they didn't have Messier and Gretzky in the same line and Pittsburgh doesn't have Crosby right. and Malkin on the same line. I mean, it's tougher to cover those guys. Ken, thanks for coming in. Thank you. Well, that was great to have Ken LaCousta in studio. Thanks to everybody texting in as uh, well. We'll have to get Ken in again here on Inside Sports. That was awesome. Reed Wilkins with you. And uh, got another special guest here. Sheldon Alexson is the executive director of Sports Central. Sheldon, I know we're coming to you a few minutes later than planned, but Ken Lacusta was so good, so I hope you don't mind uh, waiting. Uh, and I, 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 I'd offer you the opportunity to fight Ken for the airtime. I don't know if you'd be up for that or not. <laughs> Uh, thanks for the opportunity, and I hope you're having a good evening so far. I I haven't listened to the interview because I'm at uh, Twilliger actually at my son's hockey game, so uh, enjoying a different game of sorts. That's awesome. Uh, I got a few minutes here for you, Sheldon. Thanks for coming on tonight. So Sports Central, you guys do such uh, incredible work. Now, is it true you're you're getting you're branching outside of Northern Alberta even a little bit? What's going on here? Well, you know, we uh, have uh, typically had uh, three uh, areas of priority that. Uh, our board of directors have uh, directed us to focus on and the first the first area is obviously greater edmonton because that's really where our support and our donations of equipment and funds and volunteer time really come from and then after that um, we uh, serve from red deer to the north and we're taking the northern half of the province because we've got a sister organization in calgary called Comrie sport equipment exchange and so they kind of handle from red deer to the south and then uh, based on our inventory and uh, request, we will go outside of the province and uh, we'll support uh, places as far as uh, Nunavut and uh, Saskatchewan. We've done about five shipments already to that province. So this is uh, nothing really new for us, but what is 
new in terms of Saskatoon is that there's a group of people, former Edmontonians, who want to uh, replicate and do what we do in that city and help all kinds of uh, low-income kids get, get into sport for the first time. Awesome. Okay. Sheldon, this NHL Centennial Fan Arena is going to be in the uh, old Baccarat Casino parking lot this yep. weekend. How can yep. people help Sports Central there? Well, we're a part of uh, the NHL's uh, Recycling the Game program. And uh, I think, as I was telling you a little bit earlier, we've written a book on that. Uh, we've been recycling the game for 25 years for people. And uh, people who bring equipment to donate uh, to us at our booth uh, get to enter into a free draw for an authentic uh, uh, Oilers uh, team signed jersey. Uh, so that's a free draw. All I have to do is bring something with them, donate it at our booth, and we'll enter them into the draw. And that equipment, of course, then will be uh, taken back to Sports Central, sorted, repaired if it needs it, and then given out to kids in need. Awesome stuff. Sheldon, before I let you go, uh, just let people know the website, and, and if they can't donate this weekend or check anything out, uh, what should they do otherwise? Okay, our website is just www.sportcentral.com. Dot org and there's no S after the T, so Sport Central. And they can donate at any of our 50 drop-off locations across the city and uh, in outlying communities. Uh, that list of uh, drop-off locations is also found on our website. Sheldon, we're going to have to do this again when i got a little more time for you, but I know you're working so hard and you're helping so many kids uh, get involved and stay involved in sports. Thanks so much for coming on tonight. Thanks, Reed. We're doing our best, and thanks for including us. That is Sheldon Alexson, the executive director of Sports Central. Again, sportcentral.org. Hey, some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken. Book the rumpus room for up to 12 of your closest friends and dig in for a family-style picnic at northernchickenyeg.com. 124th Street, 107th Ave. Final look at the scoreboard. Bruins beat Vegas 2-1. Capitals knock off the Islanders 4-3. In the third, it's Ottawa up 2 2-0 on Detroit. Rangers and Lightning tied 1-1. Blue Jackets leading the Panthers 7-3. After two, Minnesota leads Montreal 4-1. The Flyers up 1-0 on the Blues. Jets lead the Stars 3-2. And after the first, it's scoreless between the Penguins and the Flames. 2-2 between the Hurricanes and the Avalanche. Thursday night football. Last minute of the first half, the Jets are up 10-7 on the Bills. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey tomorrow. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Face-off show will be at 5.30. The game will be at 7. The Oilers host the New Jersey Devils. Next Eskimos broadcast is Saturday. Countdown to kickoff at 3.30. Game at 5. Eskimos at the Rough Riders. Winnipeg and Calgary tomorrow. That'll shape where the Eskimos could finish in the West as well. Thanks to Sheldon Alexson, Ken Lacusta, and Drew Remenda. Thanks to everybody who texted and called as well. The producer of Inside Sports is Dave Campbell. The studio producer this evening is Kellen Kennedy, back from holidays. We'll have to get stories from your holidays next time, Kellen. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Decide on whether to own or rent compact equipment. Get in that part today, not tomorrow. The right math to make the financing work. No matter what your size, growing your business isn't just one thing. It's a million little things. With the right support, it all adds up. You work hard. 
and smart. Your cat dealer is ready to do the same. Now buy a new cat. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.